Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. You are listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me and I've got Lucy from Orchards here and we get pretty deep pretty quickly. She talks about working at Lush and then we talk about kind of OCD traits, abstract thinking. I learned a whole lot. I hope you do. And we talk about so much to do about being in the band, the dynamic between them as people, the people they work with. Actually, they all had to get part-time jobs when touring intensified a few years ago. So that's on brand for this podcast. But really, they're just an interesting band and it was awesome to hear Lucy just be so straight talking about what she believes in, what the band wants to do. And I think that's an absolutely awesome thing. They've just released an EP called Acoustic, which is acoustic versions of tracks from their record Love Core, which is out now. Both those records are out on Big Scary Monsters, so you should definitely go and check that out. East London Signature Brew have been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. They've made beers with Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, recently Sports Team. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can get your beers delivered throughout lockdown, and with the voucher code of 101podcast, you can get 10% off. And finally, as part of my project mobilization, if you like this podcast, please tell your friends, get on WhatsApp, let them know the link of this, subscribe, stream the other episodes that I've got. I'm trying to put out a couple of episodes a week. There's always going to be something to check back on. So if you can let people know about it, if you enjoy it, then that'd be fantastic. Thank you so much. Here's Lucy Evans from Orchards. Go well. Cheers. I have worked in retail since I was, I want to say 15, maybe 16. Um, So I've worked in retail for a really long time and have always done some form of music something, whether it be musical theatre, whether it be, uh, obviously, I'm in Orchard, so like an indie pop band. No matter what it's been, I've always done something that pays my rent and something that I love it's I've always done those two things and I suppose juggling those two things no matter how you chalk it up isn't it's never seamless it's never easy and 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 retail is I mean I've had I've dipped my toes in it but it definitely appeared to me like a bit of a cruel world in terms of employment yes it's not it's not fun (laughs) (laughs) it's not it's not thrilling by any uh means um I've been in and out of different companies currently I work for a really really wonderful company um they are ethically they align with the things that I believe in they care about their staff for the best part of it um they're a living wage employer which is always nice um so right currently the area of retail I'm in is probably as as good as retail as I could as I could find but I have done my fair share of pretty awful and uh, quite miserable retail. Being in on the um, on the business end of someone having a hissy fit because you're only giving them 20p for their DVD that they bought 10 years ago and they're furious at you and shouting and you just have to stand there like, cool, well, I'm trying to be a good person, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. 
it seems like at some point in the last 10 years, I mean, maybe further back than 10 years, that chains really started to pick up. I guess it goes, ha- maybe this is me being quite cynical about it, but it goes it goes hand in hand with PR, doesn't it? Treating your employers well. So, it's, so it's, it's, it makes sense for employers. And like, you know, I'm thinking of people like Lush, for example, or yeah, Honest, that's, Bur- that's Honest Burgers. That's where I've worked in for the last four years. Great. And it seems like people yeah. did get treated quite well there. I never worked there myself. Yeah. I mean, I suppose with any business, it, it really goes down to who who you are immediately surrounded by. So my shop is a wonderful shop. Everybody really cares about each other. Everybody's really supportive of each other. Um, it's a very, this is, a, this is the cheesiest thing, but it's a family, but it is, it really is. It's, it's just, we are a very, we're a very close knit team and everybody's very considerate of, of everyone else. I think really with, with Lush though, the, the, and there are some other companies that are the same, but this is just my experience. They are, um, the vast majority of the people that you surround yourself with are other creatives. They're other people that Lush is not their entire world. They're people that I work with a lot of musicians. I work with a lot of artists. I work with a lot of illustrators. I work with also, I actually work with a lot of people that volunteer in charities. So it's really that kind of world. It's a very supportive place. And it seems like that from the outside. I mean, at the risk of making myself sound extremely lame here, is that when you go to Lush, the first thing you notice is everyone's got tattoos and piercings. Yeah, no, you know? 100%. That is, you, I've done a couple of recruitment days. I've worked for the company on and off since I was about 18. I sort of did it in between university. So I was, I was never really there for more than a couple of months. I was sort of jumping in and out between uni terms. Um, but I've done a couple of recruitment days in the past year just because now I'm considered senior staff, which makes me feel horrendously old. Um, and I'm not <laughs> even old, but it makes me feel it. Um, I've done a couple of recruitment evenings and you can just see when when the, when all of the people walk through the door and there's like 30 of them, you know there's only five positions. You just look at them and you go, oh, you're going to get the job and you're going to get the job because they just, people. it's like a jigsaw. People just fit in. It just works because it's such a, Demanding demanding makes it sound negative, and I don't mean it sound negative, but it's a very demanding atmosphere. You have quite quite strict guidelines to follow as a sales advisor, um, which I actually think. Sorry, you may be asking this question later, and I'm moving on already. But um, I actually think has taught me quite a lot when it comes to things like touring, because as, as I do absolutely love being on tour and I've really really missed it the past few months because we really should have been on quite a few but I think with touring you need that extra people skill so when you leave that venue the sound tech remembers you the light tech remembers you the door staff remember you the bar staff remember you but they remember you in a positive light and I think I think working in retail or working in Lush has taught me that it's it's given me that skill of yeah, I might feel rubbish today and I might be exhausted from doing four shows already or like two weeks of touring, but I can put that face on and go, yep, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be polite. I'm going to be really nice because then that will leave a lasting impression when, when I walk out of the door. And I think, I think, which I'm I'm sure as a a consumer, you've, you appreciate from Lush is that you walk out and you feel uplifted 
I think there is such thing as positive performance, as in, you know, being nice and, you know, being that extra bit polite that you probably need, you know, that you don't really need to, but you want to do it because A, it makes someone else feel good, but B, it, it helps you do what you like doing. A hundred percent. And I don't see a problem in that, just to state my... No, no, like, we're quite vocal, or I am quite vocal, about how... Uh, so the album, the, our debut album that came out a little while ago, um, is very much about my experience with OCD and depression. And I'm very vocal about it, and I'm more than happy to be very vocal about it, because I think the only way that you change or you uh, grow or alter people's opinion is by language and using the correct language and uh, behaving in a calm to positive way. Um, And I'm very vocal about my experience with OCD, but I do think that feeling outwardly positive and being outwardly kind and nice and welcoming does have a knock-on effect to your to your personal mental health. Sorry to go deep, but I do think that has a knock-on effect. So if you, I could be having the worst day and I've had those days on tour. I've stood behind an amp uh, speaker, an amp speaker, God, a bass amp um, before and had on stage and had a full-blown panic attack. And our guitarist has looked at me and gone, like, we, we need to do the show. Like, you need to get out. like I appreciate you're in pain but we need to do this and I think out forcing positivity outwards everything's cyclical it'll only come back to you so the more positive energy you put out there the more you'll get in return and I do think working where I work has that effect on me I do think being on tour has that effect on me because we are for the most part a very positive and a very I try to uplift people type of band um, and I am very much one of those people. I, I, I do not stand for uh, unkindness or injustice. I am an injustice warrior and I will always be that. <laughs> love, love that. And, <laughs> and I feel like, tell me if your experiences are different, but I feel like sometimes those bouts of whatever it may be, depression or OCD or somewhere in the, in the muddy middle, that it gets worse when you're it sounds silly to say it gets worse when you're thinking in a negative sense so if you're feeling rubbish you're probably going to feel it you know that a bit more I mean and that's that's what's happened in my experience so I completely understand what you say when you try and be a shining light if you can you know try your best to be that positive person that you can kind of protect yourself from from those feelings overcoming you a hundred percent. And that's why I tried to do That's why I think that's really why I've hopelessly missed touring the past few months is that it gives me such, it gives you such an adrenaline rush and it gives you such a boost. And it's, it's, uh, it's infectious. It's probably not the greatest phrase right. in the current climate, but it is hmm. positivity and, and that kind of energy that, that outwardly smiling energy it's infectious. You go up to someone with a big beaming smile on their face and they're going to walk away from your conversation with the same reaction. It's positivity is, is infectious. And if you, if you show it outwardly, then I believe in the long run, you will receive it back. I I hope, I hope to think you receive it back anyway. And it, it seems that, you know, similar to the world of comedians, I suppose that on stage, that's where you get your thrill. That's, that's the thing that makes, 
everything makes sense. And I, I guess it's quite rare to have those relationships with your bandmates off the stage to have that kind of small, you know, small business or, or group or collective or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. That when off stage and, you know, when you're making plans, you know, life is what happens when you're making plans to still feel to still feel positive, you know, whilst you're making plans with with your friends. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, I'm very lucky to have a very supportive group of friends. Um, I try to surround myself only with those kind of people. Um, and us as a band, we're all very, we're close anyway. And I think all of us would be close, irregardless of being in a band together. So Sam and Daniel um, have known each other since they were three. And we all, they've been best friends ever since. It's actually diversion quick. It's a very cute story. And I'll tell you <laughs> because it's adorable. Uh, they were at playgroup and or like kindergarten and they uh a wendy house fell on top of daniel and sam picked it up and took it off him and then they've been best friends ever since that's incredible it's very wholesome it's very nice it's very nice um so they've been best friends for god knows how long um and then we all met in university when we moved to uh brighton and uh sam and daniel were the first two people i met um when I moved here and we've been friends ever since. And I think, I think we're all very much the kind of people that I think maybe it's a generational thing. I actually do believe it's a generational thing. Uh, I do believe that uh, millennials and Gen Z are going to, are going to change the way that we speak about a lot of uh, quote unquote taboo subjects. Um, I, I have a lot of faith in that, but we're very supportive people um, as, as a whole. So when we're, touring when we're out when we're doing things when we're making decisions when we're building our teams we make a conscious effort to choose people to be in those areas that are in return very supportive and very kind people I don't think there's anybody on our team that that if you if that if we had things to do well for example we did have a lot of things to do at the start of the year and I had just had the worst week and I messaged everyone and was just like yeah, I know we've got to do all of these things, but I just can't function today. I just can't function today. So I will get back to you tomorrow. Can like, I just need to have a day. And all of them immediately were just like, yeah, not a problem. Absolutely fine. Like, don't worry about it. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, just get back to us when you, when you can. And I think we purposefully surround ourselves with people that are like that. Yeah. So when you are on tour, when you are going away, when you are in a scenario where you're trapped in a van with the same four people, you you don't uh, kill each other. <laughs> and it's demanding because especially when you're making records for a, a label or you're working with someone making a video. I mean, like the you know the the, the list is endless, right? Promoters, yeah. they that can be so demanding and and exhausting. So it sounds like that sounds so good that you've had that thing where, where you know where you have that thing where. You can be like, not today. I just need to look after myself today. A hundred percent. And I do think if you have an environment like that, where you can be honest about, well, no, today's a rubbish day or no, today something's come up and genuinely this desperately needs my attention. I think if, if every, if every workplace, if every, if every environment was like, was as accepting as the environment that we've manifested for ourselves, I'm not saying we're perfect by any stretch, but if if every environment had that little additional forgiveness and a little additional leeway that as a whole, 
things like mental health probably would be lessened. Things like stress and anxiety would be lessened. I'm not saying they go away because they never will, but they would be lessened because you don't feel scared to tell someone that, sorry, that was my front door. Um, You don't (laughs) feel scared to tell someone that you're having a bad day. Because if you feel, if you're, this goes for any example, if you're stressed or you're anxious or you're even just, if you don't suffer with anxiety, you're just having a bit of a naff day. Everybody has them. If you are in a position where you feel that pressure, whatever it may be, and then you feel additional pressure from the, the people that you surround yourself with to do better, be better, ignore it. It's fine. It'll go away. If you, if you have both ends of those spectrum and there's no give, then you're, you're the give, you're the thing that will snap. So if you have an environment where you feel accepted as a human being, then everything else is a knock on effect. Everything else will become better. And it seems to me that playing in bands, DIY bands, is such a, you know, it's kind of a gross phrase, isn't it? But passion project. Oh, hell. Where you identify as that. You know what I mean? So you don't want to let that down by being not there in the room. Exactly, 100%. And I think we, so we have uh, our tour manager who is called Jimmy, and he is possibly one of my favorite people on the planet. So he, gave me a really, really incredible bit of advice that I pass on to quite a few people. If you spread yourself thin enough, there'll be none of you left to spread. And that's exactly it. If you spread yourself as thin as you can get yourself to try and do as many things as you can, there's no energy and there's no effort left to do the thing that you want to do. I I, I put that in the scenario of touring. So before a show, it is very unlikely that you'll see me anywhere. I will be in a room by myself, conserving energy and I call it that because it's exactly what I'm doing we if if you've ever seen us live audience listening you will know that we are pretty crazy and it's very often that I'm standing on a bar or laying on the floor it's 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 a full body effort to do a show which I love which is why we do it I we I do that on purpose because it's it's genuinely it's how I feel I feel that excited and I enjoy what I do. So if I spread all of my efforts out everywhere else, I will have no effort to do that on stage. And then you've paid money to come and see me stand still. And who wants to do that? Nobody. Yeah. Boring. So that piece of advice was an amazing thing. And because this is something, this is something we're all incredibly passionate about and something that all of us have dreamed of doing since, I mean, for me, it was, when I saw the Tragic Kingdom tour that uh, No Doubt did and the video went onto YouTube uh, yes. about 2007, I want to say. I don't know. But it went onto YouTube and I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I need to be It's so cool, now. isn't it? It's just, it's just one of the best shows I've ever seen. And she has that much energy, or all of them, but Gwen has that much energy for two hours. Like, where yeah. where is that? I do 40 minutes and I feel like I'm going to just be a puddle of sweat like how do they do these things but I saw that and I was like right that I'm this is what I'm gonna do I'm this I've made this decision now that's what I'm gonna do and I think all of us are like that all of us have different points of reference but all of us have that one moment where we thought yeah yeah I want to do this this is fun and I feel like that is the case with maybe not all but most independent or DIY bands I think it is you do it 
by God, you're not doing it for the money. So you're doing it because you genuinely love it. Like I love standing on a stage and just watching smile. I like looking at people that are happy, that are smiling, that are having a great time. And that's effectively what we want. At the end of our show, I want someone to come away and feel even 2% lighter than they did when they got there. For real. And I think that's why people go to shows, to watch something that they feel is just some kind of, I don't know, release, I suppose. I think this is why people love ska punk. Mm. It's because you can go to a ska show and actually just kind of lose all your inhibitions, Mm -hmm. you know, without feeling pressured to do that via drinking or what else. And just dance. Like dancing is the most important thing at a ska punk show. Exactly. And with with our shows, because, I mean, we don't really fall into... That's why we've called the album Love Core, because we genuinely wanted to make up a genre for ourselves. We couldn't think of one. And we kept getting asked and we were like, I don't know, we just sort of just sort of do what we want. And whatever comes out, as long as we like it, then maybe someone else will. So it's interesting that you say not drinking, because I've been sober for, I want to say three years now. Um, and it was genuinely the best decision I ever made. Um, I feel better most of the time. I feel healthier. I feel more in control. Um, cur- not currently, don't feel in control of anything, but I don't think <laughs> anyone does right now. But I feel more in control. I feel I feel like I get to the end of the show and I don't th- feel lethargic. I don't feel, I, I feel like I can enjoy myself. And I'm enjoying myself because I'm enjoying myself. I'm not enjoying myself because there's something in my system telling me to enjoy myself. The pressure to drink in in live music, playing or going to equally, cannot be underestimated how much how much peer pressure there is to get wasted. There really is because, unfortunately, in the independent world, in the in the DIY underground, whatever you want to call it, in in the in the type of in the part of the music industry we're in, especially, uh, unfortunately, if you're not getting paid, you're getting paid in beer, and that's in my opinion, not very healthy. I'd rather get paid in food. I'd rather get paid in crisps. Like I'd rather you give me a crate of crisps than a crate of beer because the crate of beer is useless to me. So I do think in this industry, it, it can get quite, uh, a, it can be such a point of tension between just generally in the industry alcohol and substances can be such a point of tension because you don't ever want to tell somebody what they can or can't do because they're grown-ups and they can make their own decisions but you also want to protect people so it it can be quite hard and we've seen it happen to people and, and bands that we loved and you see someone just just get overcome by the fact that oh my god look at all of this free beer and then unfortunately as we've all seen from the bands from the seventies and eighties when they get given loads of other things. Like I don't, I really don't know how Keith Richards is still alive. Right. And like not many people can do that. And that's not a challenge, you know? God, no. Like it's not something that should be encouraged. And I feel like now it's not as encouraged as maybe it was in sort of the like early 2000s, 90s. But I feel like it's, it's less encouraged now. I feel like being teetotal is a lot more common now, which I, which surprises me. Yeah, and I think in well, in, in my experience going to DIY space and and knowing other indie promoters is that people are people know that now. I, yeah. you know, I feel like there there is more narrative about it now, and there is that conversation. Yeah, a hundred percent. Which is such a positive thing. 
It really is. I've, like I've said, I really feel like millennials and Gen Z are going to change this world. I'm, I'm really pinning my hopes on it, if I'm honest. Um, but I feel like it is, it's, a, it's a positive change. The fact that people do feel more comfortable talking about their mental health right now and people do feel more comfortable having a conversation and people feel more comfortable admitting that, yeah, I am in a band and it's, it's everything I want to do, but I do have to pay my rent. So, yeah, I am. I do have a job. I feel like that for a while was a point of maybe not shame's a strong word, but a point of uh, it's something that you wouldn't you like fib about. You wouldn't necessarily say that you had a part time job and do this. Would you say it's more that you wouldn't want to tell people at work that you're in a band rather than the other way around? I don't know, actually. I mean, maybe because I'm in the job that I'm in, I I don't really mind. If I'm honest, everybody in Lush is in a band. I think Lush could probably make like a hundred bands just out of their staff, which is, which I'm sure they'd create incredible music. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, so a friend of mine went to a gig in London, um, someone I work with and, uh, someone had an Orchards t-shirt on in front of him and he walked over and was like, Oh my God, that's my friend's band. Um, how do you know them? And he'd said, Oh, I found them on Spotify or whatever. And then saw them in London and really enjoyed them. And I was like, Oh, how do you know Lucy? And my friend was just like, Oh, work with her. And the guy was, like, gobsmacked. He couldn't believe that I had, like, a part-time job. And it's just like, well, yeah, because unfortunately all of the the millions and the millions go to the the Ariana Grandes and the Robbie Williams of this world, which is why I support in live music, which is why I save the venues and all of the let the music play and all of the stuff that's going on right now, which is why all of that stuff's so important because in a year's time, I want to be able to go and play a show or go to a show. I want to be able to be in these venues and enjoy independent live music because it's such a melting pot of like passion and like energy and love. So that's why these things are so important and it is so important to support live music right now. Does it get murky for you as as the artist, as as the musician and songwriter, kind of identifying yourself in in the present tense. In in that by I kind of mean like, can you kind of see an overhead view of how you split your time between playing and then writing and then work? A little while ago, I didn't. I had a different job, um, and it was nine to nine to six, Monday to Friday, quote unquote normal job. I know there is no really no such thing as that, but it was a, a bog standard office job. And I really wasn't coping. I really couldn't. I was I was that. I'd spread myself too thin and I was exhausted all the time. And because I did my job, got home. And then, I mean, really, even now, our, our practices, for the most part, are still after six o'clock. Because even though we all work part-time jobs, quite often we're finishing that late. So you can see when you walk into rehearsal studios I mean I've only been to ones in in Brighton but you can see when you walk into rehearsal studios like the people that are just zombies like they've just finished work you if when you finish at like nine o'clock you see the people that have just come in from bar work they just look exhausted because yeah they need to go and do their job because you know you have to pay for food and you have to pay for your council tax and all of these things but they also want more than anything to play music all the time the stark reality yeah exactly so it I wasn't coping and then I spoke to my parents I'm very close to my parents and I spoke to my parents about it and they were just like well this is what you want to do and we believe in you 100% so we'll help you out 
will help you get on your feet. My parents don't have like an endless pot of money. Who does apart from Jeff Bezos? So my parents were just like, well, we'll, we'll help where we can and we'll help you get to a position where you're comfortable, where you don't have to work in a, in a full-time job. And, uh, I'm very lucky that I had that opportunity to do that. And we're, as a band now, all working part-time jobs. Where we weren't, we were all working full-time jobs. As it started to pick up, we started to tour more. Last year, we went to America. We did two headline tours. We did two support tours. We did every festival we could. you can shake a stick at. So we had no choice but to have less money. If, if I have to buy Waitrose Essential rather than fancy, fancy food... So I can do my dream. To me, it's 100% worth it. And doing those gigs, I mean, talking about it picking up last year, playing the festivals, doing those headline tours, you know, kind of the the, the goal of you, or I suppose your, your manager, if you have one, is to right, kind of... It's just you. Yeah, it's just us, yeah. So have have you had, I mean, do you kind of consistently have that conversation where you're like, okay, you know, we have more people coming now. It's kind of, we should ask if we should raise the fee. Yeah, so our booking agent is a wonderful, wonderful human being. And she's incredible. I, I really, I really don't think we would be half as where we are. I'm not saying we're not like breaking records or anything, but we wouldn't be where we are without her. And we've told her that a hundred times. She's our music mom and we love her to pieces. Without her a hundred percent belief in us, we wouldn't have done all of those festivals last year because she was she was fighting tooth and nail to get us all of these festivals and all of these shows and she's incredibly supportive and our label of uh, very, very supportive as well. We're very lucky to be on an independent label, which from just from knowing a lot of people that have not been on independence and have been on major labels, I'm very grateful to be in to have the label that we have because they uh, they get it, they really just get it, and it's hard to unless you've been in those situations, it's hard to explain that. But they they just understand when we say, yeah, that's just not that's just not feasible, or we really we want to do more. Like I said, we've we've surrounded ourselves with a very supportive team of people and it's a very small team but it's a very supportive one um but I don't I don't think we'd be half as where we are but when it comes to festivals I think this year for us because it was our debut album year and it was going to be this huge big deal this year we were like right no like we've done the festivals for petrol money we've done the festivals for a crate of beer we've done the shows for free we've done it for losing money and we have done it for like breaking even we're very lucky that we have broken even a couple of times on some tours which is very very rare um and I think people would be shocked by that how rare that is to break even on a tour well the same thing how how much you lose on your first few tours right exactly exactly we're very lucky that our first headline tour we broke even on and I think that was purely because our tour manager is very sensible and we stayed with family and friends. We avoided hotels where at all possible. <laughs> I think we stayed in two. And I think all of us slept in one room, <laughs> which is probably not allowed. But 
we've been very savvy as my mum would say we've been very savvy and it's meant that we've had the ability for the next we've got some music videos and exciting things that are coming out soon and we can afford to do those things because we have been so sensible in the past and we can afford to put products online and on our band camp where all the money goes to charity because we have been sensible in the past and I don't I don't I mean I, I can't I can only speak for us but even other bands that we've been in that's not always been the case but I think as as a as a group as a four we decided that we were serious about this. And in order to be serious about this, you have to make certain sacrifices and you have to go, okay, well, I'll put some money in, you put some money in. And then when the bank can afford to pay us back, it will. And it has done that before, which is great. We're very lucky to be in that position. But you do at some point, you just have to put your foot, like dig your heels in and just go, no, we deserve more money now. We deserve extra because we feel like we've shown you what we're worth. I don't think it's talked about enough how much intelligence is required to be a successful band. Success being a sort of sliding scale, of course. Yeah, I think it's it's really down to that. I mean, that's just the phrase my mum uses, and I think it's complete. It's down to just being savvy. It's down to just realizing that in order for something good to happen, you've got to sacrifice so much, mm. and we've all sacrificed a lot. Sometimes those sacrifices don't pay off, but. When those sacrifices do pay off, my God, it's worth it. Like it's it's worth standing. So, two thousand trees is by far my one of my favorite festivals to play, and uh, it's meant to be this weekend, which is really sad. We played it last year, and that tour was really we we played it at the end of a tour. And my nephew, my sister, went into labor the morning of two thousand trees. Wow, and. and Little Charlie was born while I was on stage. No way. It's it's one of those things where I did, I think I, I spoke to a lot of people about it on the day. We had some interviews to do. We literally dived off stage. It was a packed out tent. And one of the best experiences of my entire life. I don't, I don't think I'll ever forget it. And I don't think I'll ever take that experience for granted because it was truly amazing. I'm glowing. I'm glowing just hearing that. <laughs> just to have a tent of like 600 people just screaming your words. And they were going to pull us off a song early and the crowd lost their minds. They were like, no, let them play. Like, no, screaming. And I just looked at everyone else and all four of us just looked at each other and went, ah, we're just going to play it. I don't care if they turn us off. We're just going to play it. And we Brilliant. played the first song and it was the best experience, best experience of my music career so far. And I hope it, they only become more often because it was, it was incredible. But as I walked onto stage, I text my mom and I was just like, my phone is going to be off, but just keep telling me what, what's happening. And I walked off stage and I just, I was sent a picture of little baby Charlie. And I just stood there and I was like beaming from the show and then beaming because my nephew had just been born. And I was like, didn't know what to do. Our booking agent just came over with a box of vegan donuts. I was like, completely losing my mind and didn't know how to feel about it all and then I thought these are the these are the sacrifices that you make this is this that me not being able to be there to see him when he's born and be with my family but I got to stand on the stage with 600 people screaming at me so they're they're the sacri- they're the they're the moments where you go okay maybe maybe it is worth it maybe all of this all the things that you miss out on and all of the difficulties 
maybe they are worth it because now I've got a nephew and an amazing experience. So sometimes it's, it's weighing up, it's weighing up what's worth it. Playing those incredible shows, those ones where you're like, well, just like that by the, by the sounds of it, does it have the ramification of, of the way you, do you set your sights higher after that? Do you set, does that change your expectations or hopes? I think probably a few years ago it would have. I do think a few years ago it, it definitely would have. I would have thought you have that moment of ego, and I really try not to have an ego, but you have that moment of ego and you're like, oh, my God, I'm the best person ever. And you feel really, like, uber confident and really you just feel incredible. And you think, right, this is it. I'm, I'm you know, I've made it now. I think a few years ago I probably would have been like that. And I was maybe a few times. I think now, now I take, I try to take each moment as it comes and go, well, that show was incredible, but I have to work just as hard as I did for that show for the next one in order for that show to be incredible. And that's something I've found really, really difficult trying to, trying to really learn. You have to relearn how to think about success, I think, sometimes, because success comes in all, all shapes and sizes. And that adrenaline, when you jump off and that adrenaline's running, you think you're invincible. You really do. But then you get back to the the living room floor in your sleeping bag and you go, okay, maybe I'm not invincible. But I worked really hard and we got there. So let's keep working really hard and we'll get here. You, It's about finding uh, less milestones, more more lily pads to jump onto, I think is, is probably the way to think about it. And to me, it, it seems like having that part-time job, but then having that stability of of a band where you have you have this kind of awesome, dedicated fan base, and that's reflected in the promoters and festivals that you play play at as well. Are, are you at peace with with the situation that's happening now? Are you at peace with all of with with all of that in in the picture in one picture? I think it grounds you. I think it does really ground you by doing all of these touring tours and playing all these shows and and you get the the play on BBC Radio 1 and you you feel great and then you walk into work i put a penny on and to everybody else i'm just a i'm just a shop girl and it, i feel like that grounds you and i feel like everybody should have whether it's a part of whatever it is i think everybody should have that grounding otherwise you become that spoiled brat that thinks they're everything and that's when things can become I maybe this is being stereotypical but that's when you can fall into the into the cycle of oh yeah I'm just gonna you know get drunk and like have fun and do what I like because it doesn't matter whereas I come from a a family and a world where appreciate you should appreciate every single bit of everything because you never know like I don't know, like electronic craziness could be the next big thing. And then no one's going to care about us, a guitar band. So you've got to be grateful for every, every single step because every, each step, each lily pad takes you onto the next one. So it's, you have to be grateful for, for where you've been. Otherwise you, you've no idea how to behave where you're going. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any stories of that sort of, that have given you that kind of profound sense of belonging that you, that you kind of hold dear that, you know, maybe if you're, if you're, if you're in a bad place, then you can think of and you're like, okay, yeah, it brings you back. 
I'm a lot older than my years, which you might be able to tell by the way I speak. I'm a lot older than my years. Um, in my head, I'm a, I'm this 50-year-old amazing guru lady who <laughs> just, you know, has all of these like stories and interests in life. And really, I'm just a 20-year-old trying to navigate like the rest of us are. But I have a very, um, have very grounding life experiences that range from poorly family members that range from a lot of things but I've always always appreciated my upbringing I have extremely extremely close to my parents they're wonderful people I came from just a sort of like fairly average like background which all of us really do but you have those little moments in life that make you stop and go okay okay I I thought I was going here but this this scenario has happened and and now I'm treading water for a bit. So I have to wait. And then hopefully if I wait and I'm patient, then something good will come along. I think that's, I think that's, that's less of a story. So I've not really answered your question there. I do apologize. No. But I'm, I think suffering or being diagnosed with OCD when I was, I've suffered with this, I'd say 80% of my life. And being diagnosed at the age of 24 really made me go, okay, Okay, I'm not I'm not unbreakable. I have to I have to work at being a healthy person. I think you should have to work at being a healthy person. And being diagnosed at 24, what what led what led to you going to the docs or you going into to find out what what was going on? It was sort of nothing. It was just that moment of like a pinprick and it was like if I don't go and do something about this now, I'm going to get to a point where I'm too old and stuck in my ways. And I'm not going to do anything about it. And I'm actually going to be genuinely unwell. It was it was more that I wanted to be a better person for other people, less I wanted to be a better person for myself. So my niece was born, my other niece, Charlie's big sister. And she was, I think she was that turning point for me. She was a, li- she was a little poorly when she was born. And I was like, okay, well, if she can get through this and she's three months old, I am 24. I can get through anything. And I've had a lot of those little moments in my life well if this person can make it through this then I can make it through whatever is put in my way because it's it's never going to be as frightening as that and I think I I'm very lucky working for Lush actually because Lush have a incredible healthcare scheme um scheme's probably a bad word uh healthcare thing uh where you can get referred and given a therapist for free because you work for the company, it's a wonderful thing, and I wish all companies did it. I really do. That's excellent. I didn't know. I didn't know about that. As far as I'm aware, it's like an independently owned thing, but it's it's truly amazing. And I met my therapist. I so I'm just over six foot, and my therapist was just under five foot, which is hilarious. <laughs> she was so weeny, this tiny, tiny little lady, and I walked into her uh, house and sat down on her really fancy uh, chair. Her house was pristine and uh she asked me one question and she just said so why have you come here today and that was it it was like floodgates wide open screaming like crying felt like an absolute mess and she was just like okay I'd like you to go away she gave me like a little homework I suppose a little uh, thing to fill out and some work to do and she was like come back next week because I've got some questions to ask you and um I went back next week and 
each at the start of each uh, session, which I imagine is probably true of a lot of therapists. She had a list of questions to ask me and I had to answer from one to five. One was effectively suicidal and five was I'm fine. And uh, I answered all the questions. And then she just said, she just said a lot of scenarios that I, that, that are things that I do every single day, like ways of thinking about things or ways of uh, going about things. And I answered all these questions and she said, okay, I think you have something called abstract thinking. And I was like, right, okay. I don't know what that is. And she was like, okay, so abstract thinking or magical thinking, which is why our song is called Magical Thinking, is uh, is when you invent a scenario around a scenario that means that that thing is negative, that that thing is. So I, w- I can wear a certain colour and then in my head I'll go, okay, well, if I wear this colour today, uh, something bad's going to happen. I something bad happens and then you then blame it on yourself. Yeah. But really those two things have no correlation. So she explained it to me and I sort of sat there and went, okay, okay, well, I agree with you because that's that's exactly how I think. And it sort of, it all, like dominoes all just fell into place. And I sort of realized that, yeah, so I've, I've been thinking about these, I've been thinking this way for most of my life and I've just never realized. Sitting in her chair that day, I immediately went, so I, I now have to put the effort in. I have to put the effort in now to make myself a better person for everybody else. Otherwise, there's going to be none of me left. And, and that's not fair to other people. I have it with socks. Socks? And what I found is, is that I have it with other things. I have, I used to have, this is really helpful for me, by the way. And I, I don't want to sort of go in. This is, this is me chatting. I want to know about your life and Orchard's life, but <laughs> this, this is incredible, helpful, helpful for me. And I hopefully maybe perhaps anyone listening yeah. where I feel like it's the repetitive things that are stuck there on, on a ledge back where, back in my brain somewhere. Mm-hmm. But every time I reach where I sleep on my bed, I'll reach over to get a glass of water in the morning. Mm-hmm. I always have a weird pang of a bad feeling. And it's always the same bad feeling and it's always the bad same thought mm-hmm. and it's repetitive. And, and you do have to, I, I found the only way that I can help myself is by telling myself to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the only way to switch the thoughts off is to tell yourself you're being ridiculous. And I've spoken to family members about this before and said, oh, when, so when I first got diagnosed with OCD, I told my parents, my mum was like, really? Like I would never, never thought you would have that. And I said, well, the thing is that OCD is not, oh, that pencil needs to be straight or it needs to be at a right angle. That's not OCD. Or I need to switch the light. Like, yeah, some OCD is like that. But the OCD that you see in the movies and you see on the TV is not what OCD is. OCD is is all-consuming. It's it's that emotion, like you said, that pang of like, like short of breath or that like sweat you get at the at the base of your back and you think oh my god something terrible is going to happen that's abstract thinking that's magical thinking and it's when you you invent a scenario that blames something on you yeah when really you've you've not done anything and i've had this for as long as i can remember but it wasn't until i went to see sally and she said okay i think you have this so over the next week when you think these things write down why you've thought them and then come back and tell me and I'm going to work out whether it is something you have or not. And I immediately identified with everything she said. And I thought, okay, so so I'm not... And it 
does not mean that I still don't think them by any stretch of the imagination. I still think these things all the time and I still won't wear certain colors and I still have to put my right shoe on and left shoe on. And before I go, I have to take my shoes off and put them back on again. Like I I have these things and sometimes people put them down to superstition or, or down to like, Oh, it's just something that you do, but it isn't. I have to do it. I have no choice because if I don't do it, I won't sleep. And I think that, I think they're the things that, like I said, changing the way you speak to people and changing your language with people. I think that's the only way that you're going to learn about things. So maybe what, five years ago, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to talk so openly about mental health as I do. But now I see that as someone who is very aware of the things that I think and the way that I act, I have no choice. It's my duty as a human being to help other people. Because if my language and my actions my thought processes can help someone else feel less alienated, less frightened, less like a weirdo for want of a better phrase, then that's my duty to do so. You've made me feel a whole whole lot better about my thing. I'm lucky that I, when, when me and my partner came together, we like, that was something that we talked about and instantly that helped me like talking out loud was something I'd never done about it before. My friends used to be like, Giles, why are you walking around that lamppost? Why are you always walking around it the, the same way? Mm. And you can't say. I don't know if that was subconsciously like a masculine thing or, or what. I don't know if it'd be different if I was anyone else. But It's that thing of it being, I hate the word taboo, but it, it is, it's that thing of like, like periods, for example. It's the single most natural thing in the world. Yet you can't say it in front of someone. Why why not? To me, I don't understand. I don't understand why I can't talk about things. Because the only way that you can grow as a human and you can grow as a not just not just a human for other people's sake, I mean for your own sake as well. The only way you can grow as that person is to talk about things. If you keep your mouth shut and don't say anything, if someone had never if someone had never said if someone had, so this is very far-fetched, but imagine a caveman had sneezed, never told someone that he'd sneezed, no one had ever seen him do it, we would not know what a sneeze is now. Does that yeah. sound ridiculous? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if, you, if you don't tell, if you don't talk to other people about things, then how are you ever going to learn about things? That's our way of communicating. We talk about things. That's, that's how you commun- communicate with other people. I'm learning at the moment to forgive myself for feeling like when I put on that pair of socks instead of the other pair of socks mm-hmm. that are identical colors. The, you know, this, it's the same pair that I bought at the same time from the pack of twelve, or whatever. Mm. That I got what that I put on one pair than the other. That I have to forgive myself for thinking, "Oh, something's going to go awfully wrong today." You know, to be like, "Okay, I accept it. That's the way I think." Because. Yeah. something's 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 a bit <laughs> whatever it got you know we, yeah. we got we sh- it sounds like we share this this thing and to 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 just try and be at peace with it and try and yeah forgive yeah. yourself just be like it's okay because nobody's nobody's perfect jesse j reference there nobody <laughs> nobody's perfect nobody's flawless nobody is the the poster person for being a human being absolutely nobody is like that and the fact that we put put ourselves down for thinking certain things, for dressing certain ways, for for being the, a certain... Like, I put myself down for being over six foot for the vast majority of my life. I hate being tall. I still dislike it now. 
But recently, in the last few years, I've come to like that about myself. And it's it, there's a so I don't know if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, but it's it's genuinely the love of my life. No, I don't. I heard it's amazing though, and it's won way more awards than anyone could have it's thought. Incredible. And it's not perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect. There are some things that they do that I do believe are bad, but there is a queen on it called uh, Bob the Drag Queen, and Bob the Drag Queen uh, in a little vox pop says something along the lines of. Uh, if you feel self-conscious or you feel down about yourself, find something about yourself that you like. It could be a tooth. Say, every morning you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, I like this tooth. This is a really good tooth. That tooth then grows to, I really like my smile. That then grows to, I really like my shoulders. Like, if you start to really focus on things that you genuinely care about yourself and you genuinely love about yourself then as a whole you'll become a lot more comfortable in yourself and then hopefully with with some luck you'll feel more comfortable talking about yourself to other people is that what owning it means yeah i suppose so yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. like you like you only get one body right unless you're like injecting silicone into yourself you only get one body you've got a you've got a be as passionate and care about it as much as possible because like see this is RuPaul again this is just the greatest thing it's the greatest show ever I'm certain (laughs) of it if you can't love yourself you can't love anybody else like that's the whole thing if you change if we change the way we think about ourselves we change the way you speak to other people about yourselves because maybe I don't know maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong I don't know whether it's just a female thing but we have a tendency to to really like downplay ourselves. Like someone will go, it's a really nice dress. And you go, oh, this is really old. This is art. I bought this dress. Just go, yes. This is a lovely dress and I look great in it. I feel that so hard. And I and I feel like a lot of like, I guess my brother does it a lot. I mean, I get it all the time. You know, people will be like, oh, you know, I've got a pretty thing where like, I've always had a bit of a, a bit of a belly and it's literally from nothing but drinking and that's absolutely <laughs> fine but it's like you know if someone's like oh you know you look at you look healthy or you know whatever today i'm like oh it's because i'm wearing all black that yeah. is that is my response yeah you where it should just be yeah i look great today Thank you'd be you. like yeah you're right you're fucking right <laughs> I'd, already, I'd already noticed this about myself today and you have just confirmed it thank you that's what your reaction should be but unfortunately because the media and the world programs us to think, to put out, I mean, this is a conspiracy theory, but I'm certain of this. It teaches us to put ourselves down. So the people that they put on TV as these incredible famous celebrities, it makes you think that they're unachievable because it tells you that you're a piece of shit and you're not. Like, it's incredible that you are alive now anyway. Like, it's it's a miracle anyway. So make the most of it because if you don't make the most of it, you're going to be one of those old people that you see on the streets that are like waving their stick at like teenagers because they are jealous that they're young and youthful. You don't want to be those people. You want to be like, like comfortable in yourself. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. And I'm not saying I I think it's possible for everybody to do it, but if it's just those things, it's those little things. It's about when someone like someone points out your socks and you go, oh, yes, you know, it's this. I've always had this thing since I was really young and I don't really know why it is. But isn't it interesting that that's how my brain thinks rather than being ashamed of it and going, oh, no, 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 don't, don't pay attention. Yeah, I think I think you've hit on something quite special there. 
just in that one bit because it's being like, you know, not being ashamed of it. I, I think I think it's I feel like it's so human nature to be ashamed. Oh, a hundred percent. And I'm telling you, that's what the government want us to be. They want us to be ashamed of ourselves so they can put people on the TV and make these people seem out to be incredible human beings. Do you think it goes into fashion as well? Oh, a hundred percent. So I need the, I need to get that jacket from H and M or whatever. Yeah, because then I'll look like that person. It's like no, wear the clothes. So I've been fast fashion free since September, and I absolutely love it. Haven't bought apart from a pair of pants and like maybe a bra. Well, it's hard I'm with it's hard with underwear. <laughs> it's hard with underwear to to not. Yeah. I had we had this discussion today because I mean for obvious reasons, but it's <laughs> but it's still hard because. Pants, I mean, boxes for boys are so expensive. Mm-hmm. And so I can I only really go to H&M for it. They were until I my part, I was out shopping and I was like, I've literally got to like run to M&S and get a new bra. And my partner was like, oh, could I tell you, could you just get me like a new pack of pants? I don't care what they are. Just We were going away and he was like, I just need them. And I was like, yeah, yeah, not a problem. That's so expensive. I know. <laughs> like, it's literally a bit of material that I could probably sew together myself. Uh, don't get don't get me started on the Primark boxes. They'll <laughs> they'll cut you up the bum. And then they and then they fall apart in a week. What's yeah. the point of that? Absolute waste of time. Shameful. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the world, they're just trying to make us feel like shit. So we'll we'll buy more things. Capitalism. That's it. You started. That's it. It's it's all it's all it's all based around it, isn't it? It totally is. It totally is. I think the only way that like I said at the start, the only way that we will progress as people is by changing the way we speak about things. Don't be ashamed. Don't be downtrodden. And it's not easy and it's not going to happen overnight. But gradually, if each person realizes this, then who knows? Who knows? We're all on, I feel like, you know, we're all on our own journey. And to hear someone else, to hear you talk about this is helpful to me. Oh, I'm glad. See, that's the thing. If like, then, then what if you go and have a conversation with someone else today and then that does it? It's a knock-on effect. Everything's a knock-on effect. Yeah, it's like that and whistling if I, advert. <laughs> if I can put like a couple of ounces of... If I can go to sleep at the end of a day knowing that I've put 2% more goodness into the world than I have negativity, I am double chuffed. Because why not? It doesn't take me any effort. So someone... Someone was really horrible to me in Marks and Spencer's the other day. I have a leg of, are they called leg sleeves? I don't know. I have a leg of tattoos. And, uh, it's, just, it's just the one leg. Yeah. I bothered to do the second one. And she walked over to me. She followed me around the shop for about 10 minutes and then walked over to me, this 50-year-old woman, and looked at my leg and went, ugh, and like pulled a really disapproving face. That's mean. I know exactly. That's me. What's like? What's the? There's no need for that. I wasn't in her way. I wasn't doing anything. I was doing my shopping. If she really wanted to know what I was buying, I was buying the plant kitchen goyosas because they're amazing. Like that's it. It's all I was buying. I didn't want to be in her way. Didn't want to be anywhere near her. And then she did that, and I, I think, I think she thought I was just going to ignore her, and I didn't. I really didn't. I thought, you know what? I'm going to challenge you today because what if nobody's ever challenged you before and you feel it's your your right and your privilege to go and be awful again. So I walked over and I just said, excuse me, do you have a problem? And then she was embarrassed and she sort of shuffled away and, and looked down and went, no, no, I don't. And I was like, well, I think you do. So I actually asked you to stare at me once more 
And then she didn't. She completely ignored me. And I thought, isn't it awful that some people feel it's their their right to be unkind? God, that must have felt good for you on the other side. Oh, I tell you what. But if I'd been, if I'd felt, I said this to my partner the day before. I was having an awful day. Like I didn't get out of bed the day before. Hmm. I just couldn't move. I just felt naff. So I have an, an endometriosis, which is like a pretty painful thing and there's not really a cure for it so I was just in bed all day with a hot water bottle just watch it because I couldn't I couldn't move so if I'd have been having the day before that I'd had when she was awful to me it would have ruined my entire day probably would have ruined my entire week if I'm honest but I wasn't I felt confident that day and I mean I was wearing my new big ginormous pink marshmallow jumper so I felt absolutely spectacular and I, I if I'd not felt that confident it would have floored me there's absolutely no need in this world to be unkind when you could just be really nice and really sweet and kind and considerate to other people which in turn makes you a happier person agreed agreed isn't it frustrating that that not everyone understands that what was what was the disease that you have or the the thing that that, you know the the bed bound thing oh i have endometriosis endometriosis yeah See, not a lot of people know about this. Endometriosis is a um, it's a condition where the lining inside your uh, lady feminine areas uh, attaches itself onto other organs, and it 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 grows and becomes. I know someone who is um, uh, who actually can't walk anymore because of it. Oh, wow. um, but I also know someone who it doesn't really affect her, and maybe affects her once once every few months so it's it's quite a it's it's a huge spectrum really really huge it can be nothing or it can be awful but mine's mine's i'd say i'm i'm a i'm a medium how often how many days in a month will it will it sort of debilitize you i'd say three weeks three weeks out of i'd say probably three weeks out of out of four i i get at least some sort of effect of it whether that's like it being incredibly painful or it being like it's just niggling or it, it it varies. It varies quite drastically. Is that hard to tour with? It's incredibly hard to tour with, yeah. So normally, which is the boys always laugh about this and they laugh about it because I laugh. If, if I didn't laugh, I don't think they would make a joke of it, but I make a joke mm. of it. So I, I don't mind if they do, but we'll get in the tour bus first day of tour and they'll all look at me and go, so are you on your period? And I always sit there and go, yep. Of course I am. Like it's always, always the first day of tour without fail. I'm always on my period. As soon as we're doing something important, the first day of recording the album, I was on my period. So I was on my period for two weeks out of recording the album. We recorded the album for three. And it's just like, oh, of course. It's, it's become like a, it's become a bit of a joke now in the band. It's like a inevitable thing. But they are extremely considerate of it, which I'm, I'm very lucky to be in a band and as a as a as a boy, it feels like a nice vehicle to be able to talk about that subject. A hundred percent, because those three people wouldn't know anything about it had I not been in their band or been their friend at least. So uh, Daniel's partner is is one of my close friends, and uh, I obviously talk to her about it all the time because girls talk about these things a lot, and it isn't just women who bleed. So I think that's a conversation that isn't that isn't had enough. Um, that trans men and non-binary people still bleed, and I, I don't think that's a conversation that's had enough. Uh, but that's a conversation that 
would take me about five hours. Um, but I, being on tour, which is why I think females, uh, non-binary people find this industry so difficult to navigate because it just, it's really geared towards men. It really, really is geared towards men because of things like uh, in the green room or the dressing room, I'm more than happy to get undressed in front of those three. It does not bother me at all. And anyone will tell you nine times out of 10, I'm probably somewhat undressed because it's just more comfortable to live like that. So that it doesn't bother me with them. But when we're on tour, I always sit there and think, okay, well, there's only one bathroom in here and three bands have got to share that one bathroom and I'm on my period. And I don't really think it's something that these, these, uh, teenage to young 20 year old boys really want to have a conversation about or really want to, they don't, they don't need to, it doesn't need to be shoved in their face, but I don't really have a choice because there's only one bathroom. Touring as a, as a menstruating human can be quite tricky, but I am extremely lucky that I have the, the band and the, and then, and the tour manager that I have, our tour manager is amazing. It's been so endometriosis makes you quite uh, tired and quite sleepy, quite lethargic. And um, there is a scenario. This is a very funny story, actually. So uh, on our headline tour last year, Jimmy, our lovely TM, dropped Sam's amp on his toe, like an entire solid state oh. car just on his big toe. And sorry, it sounds disgusting, but it more or less exploded. Ooh. and it was gross it was really really was gross and um we got towards the end of the tour and my I hadn't been diagnosed with endometriosis then so I didn't I didn't I just thought it was just period stuff I didn't really know what it was and um I was in loads of pain and I was really really tired and we didn't get back till like three in the morning and I was absolutely exhausted and we had like a van call of like half past nine and for me that's early so I sort of was laying in bed all of them were showered and dressed and Jimmy walked over and was like, look, look, I know you don't want to get up, but we have to go. And I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, I'll get up. And then I didn't move because my stomach was so sore and he just whipped his sock off and put his toe directly in my face and was like, I love you, but you need to get up. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm up. Okay, I'm up. But I'm very lucky to be in a group, whereas they could quite easily get angry at that. They don't, they make a, some kind of joke out of it and make it fun. So I feel less pressure and feel. feel it sounds like Orchards is, is such a great support network. Um, we're very wholesome. We really yeah, are. Our, our photographer, every time she sends us an email, she puts a uh, wholesome content only at the bottom. And that, <laughs> that really is us, apart from gross toes. That, Brilliant. that, that really is us. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lucy, thank you so much for chatting to me with us. This, this, this for having me. It's great. I feel we, we've, uh, we've, we've transcended some, some topics. It's been great. We really have. It's been quite, it's been a, a cathartic, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that was Lucy from Orchards. If you've enjoyed this podcast, like I said at the start, please go ahead and share it. All right, Project Mobilization out. This is Cox Barra. I've been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue ass fly I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate Every blink of me I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast Podcast 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.